Welcome to Cary Live Work Play, where we talk to the people that make the town of Cary such a great place to live, work, and play. I'm Adam Eshball with Wayne Holt of Reward Builders, Next Home Reward, and 919 Beer. All right, Wayne, tell me about your soccer knowledge. My soccer knowledge is, yeah, that was it. Yeah? You heard it, right? You watch the World Cup sometimes. That's silence. That, that was my knowledge. You know we have a team. I have watched the World Cup. I have watched the Olympics, and uh, that's about it. My daughter did not play soccer. There was no soccer when I was in high school, you know, 2A, Fuquay, Verena, back in 1978, 79, and 80 when I was in high school. There was no such thing as soccer. Tobacco fields were across the street, but no soccer fields. My goal for this podcast is to get to know Mike. Absolutely. Who who we'll introduce here in a minute. But also, I think there are a number of people, doesn't matter where you are, there's always people that you, you always run into people. They're like, I didn't even know we had that here. Right. I didn't even know that was a thing. And, and we've got a professional soccer team in carry. We've have two, actually. We have men's and the women's. Um, our guest coaches for the men's side. So that's who we're, that's what we're primarily going to talk about. But we've got a great opportunity here to introduce people to something that they may or may not know existed, but I think they're going to have a better understanding of what NCFC has to offer. And hopefully that will encourage them to to come out and support that team. I sure hope I have a better understanding because I mean, literally they're straight down the street from the office and from my house. And I'd love to go. I mean, if it were a baseball stadium there, you know how often I'd be there? Sure. But I know nothing about soccer, so maybe I need to get immersed to the culture. All right, well, let's go ahead and bring in our guest for this week, North Carolina FC assistant coach Mike McGinty. Mike, thanks for coming in. We we are excited to talk a little. Uh, we haven't talked sports yet, right? Mm. So it's fun. We've, we have not. We've talked uh, local politics, cider, uh, building houses, Pizzas. and and pizza. Wow. Now we're going to get into some sports, which I am happy to do. Absolutely. And, um, so NCFC assistant coach, Mike, why don't you just give us a rundown on uh, just kind of your your personal history and like where you started and how you ended up here in Cary with us. Okay, so um, I started coaching as my career was ending as a player. So I was, uh, I was playing in Richmond and then I was playing in uh, D.C. with D.C. United. And while I was doing that, my wife was in school at UVA. And so I started okay. coaching at University of Virginia. I would play in the morning, head home, be a volunteer for UVA men's soccer. So you were driving from, where were you practicing when you were in D.C.? You so, weren't practicing at RFK, were you? We were. We were practicing, were practicing at RFK. In, so I would town. get up. I would leave Charlottesville at like 5.30, 6 o'clock, try to beat traffic, which you could never do in D.C. <laughs> I would go to RFK. I would get back in my car. I'd eat a sandwich, drink three cups of coffee and sprint back to Charlottesville in time for practice. What, what is that? Is that like a, it's a two disaster. and a half hours? It, it's like 70 to 80 miles, but right. it ends up being that doesn't, three that's hours. That's not the same thing in time. Yeah. 70, 80 miles in DC is not 70, 80 miles in Raleigh. Any Anytime you have to go on 66 to get into RFK or through the yeah. white house, it's just a disaster. And so, so you really have to love soccer to do all that. Yes, and you have to be really bad at everything else, and not and not want to get a proper job. So I want to get a so proper they, job. They That's were great. paying me, right? And so I would show up. Uh, and once they stopped paying me, I stopped showing up. 
Um, so then I, I went into uh, coaching for, uh, at UVA. As, as I got released from D.C., my job became a full-time job at UVA. So it worked out nicely. Um, I had a house. I had two kids. My wife was in school. I didn't want to go to another team, potentially. I, I went to Chicago for a little bit. So I, I said one more year kind of in Chicago, but I was mostly in Charlottesville. Um, so I was at UVA for uh, about 11 years. And then um, I went to St. Louis University for eight years. You were an assistant at UVA, I was correct? an assistant at first and then the associate head coach at the end. And we actually have really good memories of Cary and Wake Med Soccer Complex. Sure. We won a national championship here. My final year at UVA, okay. we won the national championship right up the street. Um, I went from UVA to St. Louis University because uh, my, my wife had a job there. I was relocating there. My friend was the head coach at St. Louis University at the time, and I told him, I said, look, I'm going to be moving to the Midwest. I'd love to be your volunteer. I got to get out of the house and do something. And he said, yeah, I'd love to have you. Fast forward two, three weeks later, he said, hey, Mike, I think I'm going to go to Rutgers and take that job. Do you want to interview for the head coaching job? I got lucky. We had just come off winning a national championship. <laughs> Didn't um, hurt, did it? The timing was very nice. And so then I went to St. Louis University for eight years. Um, after St. Louis, my contract didn't get renewed after eight years. Three-time uh, national or three-time A10 coach of the year, though, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, me and the athletic director didn't see eye to eye on what the 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 metrics for success should be gotcha. potentially. Um, but I stayed in St. Louis uh, and started working with the national teams, which was really really good because my daughter was finishing high school in St. Louis. I didn't want to move. With the national teams, you're able to go to camps. What do you mean the national teams? So U.S. Soccer, U.S. Soccer has a men's team that competes. They have a women's team that compete, and they try to win the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Underneath those, you have an Olympic team, which is, for the men, it's an under-23 level, and it goes under-23, under-20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15. I worked with all of those teams kind of under the men's level and under the Olympic team level, like everybody underneath I would help out as an assistant coach with those guys. Um, I worked one one camp, one of my favorite camps was, uh, there's a Paralympic team. Um, and I was able to work that, the, the the coach needed some help. And so I worked that camp. And that was probably my favorite group of athletes to work with. These guys were, you know, former military, cerebral palsy, certain, all certain levels of, uh, uh, of, of disability scores, but they were such great guys. I mean, unbelievable. Um, so I was able to work with a bunch of national teams. The head coach of North Carolina Football Club was a friend of mine, Dave Sarakin, who I knew from Chicago Fire. I knew from D.C. Okay. United. He used to coach at University of Virginia. He coached the men's national team. Long story short, my, um, my mother-in-law lives in Durham. My wife grew up in Chapel Hill. We were both in the Midwest working. But then all of a sudden, we didn't need to be in the Midwest to work anymore. And so we wanted to get closer to my mother-in-law um, as she's um, aging, and we just wanted to be close to family. So I talked to the head coach here, and I just said, hey, Dave, if, uh, if you have any openings, keep me in mind. I love the area. I want to be close to my mother-in-law, and let me know. And so I ended up coming out here 2019 uh, to start with North Carolina FC, and it was right as COVID was hitting. So it was really a, a funky time to relocate. but 
um, really happy I did. I want to talk a little bit about your actual playing career. You talked about all you've done, but you didn't talk about your position, didn't talk about college. So, um, you know, this isn't your first stint in North Carolina, obviously. So tell us a little bit about your, uh, number one, where you were born. Yeah. I think that's an interesting story from what we've read uh, and how you ended up uh, in North Carolina the first time in your position. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm a goalkeeper, um, which is a little bit unique, you know, a little bit uh, outside of the box. Some of the, the, the crazier people so I you know have are, to stay in the box. Well, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes um, you want to use your hands. But for for, you know, my 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 journey to North Carolina was really strange as well. So I was actually born in Korea. My dad was in the army, um, ended up growing up in L.A., and then in Sacramento most of my life. So m most of my family's in the Bay Area. Um, I left home at 17. I didn't want to go to college. I moved to England all on my own, um, tried to make it there, couldn't make it, couldn't break through. Trying to make it, you mean, as, as a, a soccer player? As okay. a soccer player. Okay. And this is 1989. This is before many guys were doing it. There were a couple guys out there, but not many. Um, I had no interest in going to school. I ended up going to Europe for a year, not making it and coming home. And all the while, I was supposed to go to University of uh, Nevada, Las Vegas. UNLV yeah. was just coming up. In, a lot of California kids, the basketball team. UNLV was really pushing soccer. And so if I couldn't make it in England, I'll, I'll go to UNLV. By the time I got back, the head coach had uh, given away my scholarship. He felt bad about it, but he needed to replace me, right? I felt bad about it. But he was really good friends with the coach at Wake Forest University. So this is 1989, 1990. I had never heard of Wake Forest. This is, I mean, California, pre-Tim Duncan, nobody really right. knew Wake Forest. I flew out for a visit, uh, took a tour, was going there strictly for soccer. I didn't know anything about the school. I was not really into academics at the time, uh, and I really... As you go to one of the most highly rec exactly you right. know, recognized right. academic schools in the state. I, li listen, I went to a I went to a big uh, city school in Sacramento, and then all of a sudden I'm at a small liberal right. arts school in the south, and it, it was <laughs> it, it wasn't a match made in heaven. Let me right. say that. Um, so I went to Wake Forest, uh, played a couple years there. Never really wanted to finish school; was just using it to try to become a pro. Um, I left school again, dropped out early, went to Germany this time. Um, again, lo and behold, didn't make it. Um, but my wife went to Wake Forest as well. And my best friend from Wake knew that I was in Germany, and she was actually going to visit family in Germany. Her dad was military as well. So she reached out to me. Uh, this is back in the day of letters, right? right. You know, if you saw something airmail, you're living abroad, you're like so happy for like, at least three, four weeks, you're ecstatic, right? So it ends up that I go back to Wake Forest um, to finish up my degree, play another year, and then I end up playing um, in Greensboro, Greensboro Dynamo while my wife was finishing school. Ended up then going to Richmond, then DC United, and then I had one kind of year with, with Chicago. The what about ML Columbus Crew? Columbus Crew. So what would happen with goalkeepers? I'm doing is, a lot of hardcore research on yeah, Wikipedia I can see right it. now. I can see that. What would happen with goalkeepers is there'd be guys like myself that would kind of bounce around to teams when they needed a goalkeeper. Sure. Right? And so teams didn't want to sign four goalkeepers. They didn't have enough money to do it. I would play 
and get paid in Richmond with their team. And then as people would need help, they would call my number. And then I would go to Columbus for a couple of weeks. I'd go home. I'd go to Kansas City. I'd go to Chicago. I'd go home. Um, and I was like the guy that I, I had a coach who said, uh, you, you know, you, you're the Judge Judy of, of soccer. You just you're always on the bench and you just show up whenever they call you. And I was like, all right, well, if they pay me, I'll, I'll do that. You know, so so I did that for a number of teams. And as a guy who doesn't. I didn't grow up playing soccer. I grew up in Holly Springs, Fuquay, when, you know, Holly Springs was 600, 800 people, and Fuquay was 3,000. We didn't have soccer. Right. So right. I didn't grow up. My daughter, even though she grew up in Cary, she played volleyball and danced and didn't care about soccer either. So I know nothing about it. Um, I know when World Cup is on, men's and women's, I'll watch it. I know when Olympics are on, I'll watch it. I, don't, I know it's kind of like a little bit like hockey, mm -hmm. but that's all I know. So when Adam and I were talking before you came in and, and he said you were on loan, mm -hmm. I'm like, on loan. I don't understand that. I understand what it means, but I don't understand that philosophy because I mean, could you imagine, say, the NFL and, you know, back in the day when you go got, ahead and call it what you called it earlier. I don't know what I, for our guests. Oh, that wasn't a real sport. Right. You said, well, that's not how the way real sports work. <laughs> I did that. I did that you for know. your benefit. Because Adam's you know, son is all into soccer. Yeah, so Adam, yeah. Adam travels all over the East Coast with his kid. Um, and I give him I'm like, really, man, come on. Um, but talk a little bit about that. You were talking a little yeah. bit about tell us a little bit how, how that actually works. And, yeah. you know, not only at this level, but even at the higher levels, how that works. Yeah. So, so we just finalized a loan for our club probably yesterday. And so once all the paperwork's done, um, we'll have an announcement for our club, but loans are, they're a way for clubs to save money at some level. So like North Carolina football club, we will always try to, uh, invest in young players, but also save money by getting a handful of players on loan. Meaning the club that owns the player pays their wages potentially. And we pick up, uh, expenses, but it's our job to put them in the shop window and let them play. So if you're, let's say you're a, a middle reliever for the Dodgers, but all of a sudden, the Braves see you as a guy that's the, the third guy in the rotation. The Dodgers can say, well, we, we think you staying with us as a middle reliever is great. But your market value is going to go up if you can prove that you're a third string starter. And so if the Dodgers say, well, I've got Wayne for a three-year contract, but I can't play him right now because the guys ahead of him are better. They're older. They're more experienced. I don't want to get fired as a head coach because we're losing because I'm waiting for Wayne to develop. But maybe the Braves need them, and maybe they're short at that position, at that specialty. And so we loan them out, but we keep his rights so that if the Braves say, hey, you know what, we really dig Wayne, okay, let's agree to what the figure is, and you can buy him from us. So it's a way to put players in the shop window Um if you really like someone, but don't see how they're going to play for you. I like that. I mean, I, I, I'd like to see that happen in the uh, all professional sports. I mean, if you think about guys. Cool. I would like to see a lot more soccer style. Um, Wheeling and dealing. Yes. <laughs> and especially if we could, it'll, it'll never happen. Baseball right now. Relegation. Yeah. Relegation in professional sports is one of the coolest things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. Yeah. And which is what it's like the the four lowest teams yep. get bumped down to it's, the next high division, right? And, the, and then the four very, best team of that division yep. goes up in the bigs. Yeah, that would be cool. 
it, it, it's but hard. Alabama can't, you know, you know, Alabama be playing pro ball. <laughs> yeah. Football. <laughs> it, 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 it's a hard concept to wrap your head around until you, you see it up close. And then when you think of all the sports that we have here where you get to a certain part of the season as, as a fan, you understand that your team is competing, but they also want a higher draft pick maybe right. a year from now. And so you, yeah. you're still there in, in spirit, but you're not really there at the same level. And so when you have relegation and promotion, it's it's a dog. You can't fight tank the season for that draft. The amount the amount right. of the amount of action and drama that happens in the last ten minutes of the final game, I mean, it is life or death for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things too. I mean, I think I think baseball's trying to the owners at least are trying to throw in some crazy scenarios um, to keep from tanking, and you know that's a problem in most of the American professional sports mm-hmm. is that. You know, golly, we're already you know, 20 and 50. Why don't we go and blow those last 12 games to make sure right. we're, you know, 20 and 62 and we get that number yep. one NBA draft pick or yep. at least we get in the lottery. So, yep. um, yeah, no, that's really cool. I, I, again, I've, I told Adam I've seen that. I've watched enough soccer to to know that or read enough to know that they do that, but never really understood the, the philosophy there. But that makes a lot yeah. of sense. It, it, cha- it changes the dynamic yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Well, before we get too far on that, I do want to kind of come back and have you explain some soccer, uh, you know, eccentricities. Okay, okay. Uh, at that's some a, point. That's a big word. Yeah, okay. I, I just made it I up. Will it's try. not even a real I will, word. I'll do my best. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about more more about you okay. first. Um, so you said, you know, my next question my next question to you was, what got you into coaching? And you said, well, I didn't want to get a real job. But um, totally understand that. But at the same time, what were some of the big adjustments you had to make going from – you know, you play one position, right? Yeah. Obviously, you know the game. Yeah. But what was kind of like that adjustment when you went from being a player to then being a coach? Yeah, I, I hated it initially. I mean, uh, it's it was amazing. The first, I don't know how long, maybe the first year or two, I would go home after matches and just, just feel terrible because you've got all this pent-up energy as a coach that I wouldn't be able to get out. Whereas a player, you were able to compete, you know, and, and let's go do something, man. Let's go get into it. And you, whenever you left as a player, you hit the showers, you were exhausted and you went to bed. No problem. As a coach, <laughs> I found myself with the it. same energy and adrenaline inside and no way to go to sleep. Like I hadn't done anything. And so <laughs> it took me a while to get, to, to get it, you know, my, to get my blood pressure down and to, you know, be able to manage it and manage the emotional side without actually being able to do stuff was really hard. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I I find I mean I I didn't play at that level on anything, but I did play at certain levels, certain sports, and then went back and coached. Mm-hmm. And I was never as nervous as a player as I was as a coach. Exactly. And I yeah. was never as as I think into games as a player as i as i was as a coach and as i am watching my son play yep now yep i agree so yep. no i are you I, that dad i'm not that dad i I'm, <laughs> i i do my best to make sure i i keep that in check i got to come to one of the games just to make sure i'm going to sneak up one day i'm i'm pretty quiet uh but no i i just wanted to kind of cuz there is that that competitive mindset um you know, it takes a while to wind that down and, yeah, or to at least, uh, I guess, shift your perspective. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think shifting is is a, is a good way of putting it, and it, it took me a long time to learn how to shift, and I'm still not great at it. But I think the older I get, the more I realize that uh, all of the yelling and the drama and the the energy isn't always uh, helpful. Um, well, even though it, it is feels, with some players, it feels good but to not get, all players. Yeah, right? and, it, and it feels good to get it off your chest, but sometimes you just bottle it up and, and figure out another way. So what are you? What are your responsibilities here in Cary with NCFC? So I'm the assistant coach in charge primarily of the goalkeepers. And then underneath the head coach, I'm in charge of a number of other things just to help him rather. he he Our head coach is the first team head coach. He's also our academy director. So he is in charge of everything on the young side as well. So with that, he's got a number of hats to wear. So I try to pick up a lot of slack regarding scouting, recruitment. You know, this offseason, I was on the road for probably a month out of the two months of the offseason in different countries looking for players because he just can't do it. It's impossible. Um, But, you know, helping him with uh, opponents, with recruitment, um, kind of all things that the club needs that, as an assistant coach, you just pick up on it. And I was lucky in my coaching career, I've worked with, you know, 30 different people um, as a head coach, as an assistant coach, as a goalkeeper coach, as an associate head coach. So I'm comfortable in a number of roles um, and our club currently needs me to be comfortable in a number of roles. Yeah. I didn't realize that the head coach was, the was in charge of the well. academy. Yep. Yep. And I so figured that's more of like that's a, a it's a unique niche for our club and our owner, um, our owner uh, post COVID, um, the decision was to try to integrate the academy and the first team better. So we started um, signing more of our players, and then the idea is we will sell them um, to European clubs. That is his business model with dealing with COVID and, 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 you know, a lot of our revenue came through fans, um, and beer sales and parking and all of that. And so he had to find another revenue stream and it's, it's buying young players and hoping to help them develop and move on. Okay. So we mentioned Academy. My son doesn't play in CFC full disclosure. He's a, we're a wake FC family. Oh, wow. Right. Part of the dark side, depending on who you talk to. Um, <laughs> So it's it's a little bit different, but it is the same. There are academies. What does that mean? So uh, the academy level, in theory, would be the highest level in a soccer club. Uh, in, in the idea being, you've got a number of players that want to play at a recreational level. They don't particularly want to travel. They don't want to spend more than a, a day or two a week at it. They're playing with their neighborhood buddies or their dad is the coach. And that's going to be their experience. The older the players get, they may say, hey, you know what? I'm I'm pretty good at this. I'm enjoying it. What would be the the next level? And maybe that would be a travel type team, a select level team where maybe um, you're in three days a week. You might be playing games on the road in Charlotte or Richmond or somewhere. And then the older you get, you get into, say, U16, U17, 18, 19 level. There's what is called the academy level. And that commitment level is probably 
you know, four days a week plus travel on the weekends. And so that would be the kind of the highest level of commitment for a player. And so you've got to be committed as a family to that. And you have to be good enough to be invited to that level. Um, So our club, one of the things that our owner wanted to do was to connect our academy, which has been quite successful, traditionally sending players to colleges and being in this area, children grow up with an affinity to a college and they understand how lucky they are to be able to go to some of the best soccer playing schools and best academic schools very, very close to home. We've done a good job of providing players for that level. We don't get any money out of that. Right. So the next evolution for us as a club is to sign a young player, and we've done that last year, and then they bypass college altogether. The idea being that if an MLS club, which is the highest level here, or a European club or a South American club like that player, then we would ask for compensation. Yeah, so my son, who's 11, yeah. would have a much higher level conversation about this nice. with you than I can. <laughs> but I think I understand. But he's already playing that. He's already playing four days a week and traveling on the weekends, and he's 11. Yeah, I mean, well, th- he's three. He's three days a week right now, but yes. Three. You leave work every day. Saying yeah, but that's to- just... <laughs> saying you're taking him to... Just shut yourself in I the walked foot. into that one, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, he's, he's pre-academy right now. Got it. That's actually what they call him. Yeah. But... It's interesting because you also have these European clubs like Barcelona has yeah. academies in yeah. major Arizona. cities, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is which is yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. You mentioned MLS, yep. the highest level um, for again, for a lot of people, a lot of Americans just don't really know how the leagues are broken down. Yep. If MLS is the top level, yep. um, you guys are USL, yep. right? Um, I think when the Railhawks were here, it was like in NASL. Right? Yep. How? What does all that mean, and how does yep. it fit into the bigger picture of, of United States soccer? Yep, so MLS is the top leagues. The MLS would be similar to uh, NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, or NBA. The USL has two different divisions. They have a USL Championship, which we used to compete in, and they also have USL League One, which we currently compete in. Okay. USL Championship is a level above USL League One. So the the, the easiest way to break it down would be similar to baseball where if the Atlanta Braves are the top level triple a double a single a rookie league underneath we are double a ish level if major league soccer would be considered the top level so we're we're what is considered division three level okay so two levels removed from exactly Okay, so you said you previously were in the championship. Yeah. Is that a relegation thing or is no. that a just a professional decision? It was this a decision. Yeah, it was a decision uh, that the ownership group made. And, and to be honest, our owner, uh, he owns uh, the women's team as well. Um, so we have uh, the highest level at the women's team. With COVID, financially, we took a big hit and sure. there were some tough times. And, and, and I think a lot of businesses that are entertainment level which is what we are we're entertainment if people can't go out of their house it's hard to make any revenue and so we dropped down a level just to stay viable and developed a new model which which nobody else is really doing at our level quite yet um we're probably three to four years ahead of most clubs in in how we're positioning ourselves with young players 
but we we have a player currently on trial right now. If we sell him in the next month or we agree to terms, uh-huh. then there'll be two or three clubs next year that are a little more interested in that model. And then if we sell another player, say a year from now, then all of a sudden there'll be four or five clubs kind of copying our model. We're we're a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, and we're able to do that largely because we have an academy with so many good players. Sure. Um, you can't just have a professional soccer team and just say, hey, I just find me a good 16-year-old. We've had a good track record of youth development in this area for 30 years. So that being said, we never got a we never got our MLS bid here in Cary, Raleigh, you know, the triangle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Once again, a team, an organization goes to Charlotte. Yep. So, um, and they are an expansion team. Yeah. And you may not even know this, but I'm assuming they're going to have an academy and yeah, yeah. that kind no, of thing, right? Not, not only do they have an academy, they uh, are actively recruiting from our academy. Which um, can be good for you guys, right? It can be, but it, it also... It's 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 a it's an interesting balance of when you have an adversarial situation or when you have a partnership situation, and we are still trying to sort through some of that. Um, and people have egos and families, you know, make good decisions, they make poor decisions, and we're trying to navigate that as best we can um, as they're playing. Um, but obviously we were hoping that the, the MLS would come here. Um, and then when it went to Charlotte, it was a little bit of a, um, uh, disappointing. It was a disappointment. It, it was, sure. it was disappointing. Yeah. Cause I mean, we, I say we as in this area, soccer fans in this area felt like we had a chance, I guess. Yeah, right. I think we we felt like we had put in the work. We had supported yeah. this team. The team had been on the national mm-hmm. at a national level. Yep. And then once again, Charlotte's got a lot. When you have billions of dollars at your disposal, that's I mean billions. It's always going to Tepper the owner. Te- Tepper. Tepper's, I mean, yeah. Tepper is one of the richest men. Right. He's the richest you, owner in the NFL. When you have NFL type billions, and yeah. you have sure. your own stadium that you own, and you want to fill it Absolutely. more often than just twelve games a year or yeah. eight games a year, it it. it it kind oh, it, of caught us off guard. I think it, it it makes sense. It was just like you said. It was just it was definitely disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, a couple of things before we uh, before we get into our rapid fire. Nice. Um, when is your season? So we began our preseason two weeks ago. Our first game is the first weekend of April. So we go usually April to end of no- end of October ish. Okay. And how often do you play? Uh, every weekend, basically. Okay. Basically I mean, every weekend. Basically, that mirrors the the MLS schedule. Yeah, it's but, very similar. They they start a little bit earlier than us, um, but we play about the same amount of games. But it's contrary to European leagues. Yeah, yeah. The European leagues begin late summer, early fall, and they go th- till May. Um, we are in the summertime, you know, Weather-wise, it's a little bit easier, and a lot of these places are using NFL stadiums, so it, it sure. makes it a little bit easier. Um, but it is an interesting, it is interesting for us because we are able, because we play in the summer, to potentially get European players that finish their season in May, 
we've already begun. At least get them for a couple but months. But we can get them for a couple months. And it's a, it's, a, it's a unique kind of niche that we can play um, if a player, say, is coming back from injury or something like that. We can offer that. Uh, we had a player last year on loan who I had worked with uh, from Fulham, um, which is a, a big club in London. And he hadn't been playing, and he wanted to get some games. So he came on loan last year. And, and that's something that as we build more relationships with, with European clubs, we can offer. So what can someone expect when they go over here on uh, just straight down the road from our office here in downtown Cary? When they get to an NCFC game, what, it, what should they expect? I think you'll see with our group um, a young, talented, attack-minded group. Um, the league we play in, we're by far the youngest team. The other teams we compete against are, are mostly older guys that have a lot of seasoned experience in different leagues, different countries, and they are hanging on tooth or nail to another couple paychecks. We are a little bit young, um, and at times that makes it a little bit naive, but it's a lot more fun um, because our kids don't know any better. And right. so they, they try things that maybe a 28-year-old wouldn't, um, and sometimes it works and it's awesome. And then sometimes it doesn't, and it's not as awesome, but it's, uh, it's, it's very exciting. We're, we're an exciting group. So from a fan experience, uh, again, cause I've never been, uh, am I going to go and is it going to be like going to the Durham Bulls game where, you know, they've got, uh, they've got the bull out there. They've got I me mean, from a fan experience. Are there cheerleaders? Or are they throwing t-shirts in the stands? You know, is there beers or food? I mean, tell me about that. Yeah. So the, there's everything you would imagine. And, and I think comparing to the Durham Bulls is, is a, is a good comparison. It's, it's that level of, um, professionalism, you know, um, food accommodations, different giveaways, different packages, um, depending on what the theme of that night is. It's very similar to a, a lot of the owners in our league also have baseball teams at similar levels. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a niche now where you have multi-use facilities where the baseball owners are also the soccer owners and you use the same facility mm -hmm. and it's, you know, family friendly. Um, it's not like going to a game in Europe where – you know, you have to worry about fighting for your life. Yeah, right. th this is a little bit more user friendly for for families. Cool. It's carried. There's no hooligans. I don't know, man. There's games. a couple years. You guys do have a pretty cool <laughs> cheering section. Though. We, yeah, we do. We do. And I think we are we are working hard to reengage with the fans because so many things were just shut down. Sure. I mean, we, we, you know, meet and greets. Uh, spending time after the games, before the games. With, with, with the protocols we had, we, we just couldn't do a lot of things. So we need to reconnect really with our fans and with the community. And I think, you know, when, when you get weather like this, it's fun to go sit outside and, and see a game and drink a beer and see some of your neighbors. Soccer is right down the street from us, and it is a really enjoyable time even if you don't know what's going on, because the crowd involvement, the chance. Why do you keep looking at me? <laughs> because you, you're saying you've never been. And it's we literally need, two, we need two to miles make, maybe from we need where to make I live. This happen. We need to make this happen. You let you're, me know. Gonna, you let me know. I'll give you the tour, man. You, be sweet. You, you are welcome. You'll anytime. get a scarf. I'll get what? you whatever. Yeah, that's, oh. that's the thing with soccer fans. Uh -huh. They wear scarves. Doesn't yeah. matter the temperature. Okay. Doesn't matter. You wear a scarf. All right. I mean, you can get a kit as well. 
That's wow. that's like a jersey. Trust me, Max has wow. like every one. Okay, yeah, I might need some of that action. It's Come it's just out, it's man. a different fan experience, and I it's think I think people different. would really enjoy it by giving it a shot. Well, and, I think that's and the key. there's 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 beer, there's food. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's. I mean, I'm a big baseball fan, so I love going going to the Bulls games. Um, but a lot of folks that go to the Bulls games have like I they don't pay attention to the game. They yeah. they don't understand baseball. They yeah. go because. Uh, a friend's going and it's a group outing and yeah. it's it's a fan experience, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many other things happening there that uh, the entertainment value is not just the baseball. And yeah, I'm assuming yeah. you're saying the same it's, thing. It's for the very soccer. similar. It's very yep. similar. And and you know if you do come to a game and if you do have kids that are involved, the accessibility of our athletes and it's similar in minor league baseball, right? Yep. Where yep. you know if you go to a Red Sox game, it might be a little bit different, but you know, our players are in the community, you know, they are accessible after the game, before the game, they live here in the community. You know, that's not, it's not a uh, situation where as a fan, you can't actually re- reach out and touch and get to know these guys. Yeah. That's cool. All right, Adam, you ready? Are we ready? Mike, are you ready? I'm not ready, but that's I right. will do my best. That's all right. Sure so what we're going to do here is we're going to hit you with uh, about 10 questions. We call it our rapid fire. Okay. And uh, the idea is, is you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, they are you know, pretty, pretty easy answers. Okay. Uh, typical one word. But if you need to elaborate, feel free. Okay. All right. Favorite sport other than soccer? Basketball. Coffee or tea? Coffee. How often do you floss? Mm, not often enough. That's why he's wearing his mask. Not often enough. <laughs> he doesn't want to Your sing. all-time favorite soccer player? Mm. Diego Maradona. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Seinfeld or friends? Seinfeld. Favorite dessert? Chocolate cake. Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? Jeopardy. Who's your favorite Disney character? Mickey Mouse. Ted Lasso or Coach Beard? Lasso. Well, you survived our rapid fire. Congratulations. Uh, I would say you're probably the guest most compatible with me. Most of those answers were mine. Little known fact, I record Jeopardy and then watch it. And I've known this dude for 10 years and 12 years and did not know that until recently. And I like, mind blown. I had no clue. He's a closet Jeopardy fan because he's not, he's not advertised that before. Wow. I, I like Jeopardy. Nice. Anyway. It's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm just saying I didn't know it. Yeah. Mike McGinty, North Carolina Football Club, assistant coach. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, I could definitely continue this conversation for a long time. I know my son's going to have a ton of questions when I see him this afternoon because he is he is my soccer nut. But this was, this was a lot of fun learning about your history and about the club, and I'm really excited. When is the first game? Uh, first weekend of April. April first 2nd. weekend of April. Yeah. Come yeah. on out, man. Wayne, we're getting out to some. Yeah, games. let's do it. Let me know. You getting guys are always games, welcome. So. You, you and your son, come on out. Yeah, and hopefully more people will be joining scarf, us. There. Man, I mean, yeah, all about that. Yeah, Mike, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Great, great to chat with you. Well, that was fun, Wayne. Yeah, how, how do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about your soccer knowledge now? I know that if I go to the game, I'm going to come home with a scarf. <laughs> You're going to wear, wear, get your scarf. And what else? Do they call them jerseys? I forget. Kits. Kits. Yeah. In, in soccer, it's – now, kit. it is a jersey because the jersey is at the top, but the full uniform is a, is a kit. I'm not sure I need a kit. You don't need the shorts. I don't need the shorts. 
a yeah. kit. They call it a kit. A kit. Understood. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I didn't get that during the conversation with Coach, or I would have, I would have dug deeper on why it's called a kit. Yes. I, I mean, this is that's so why is it to... called the field's called a pitch. We didn't even get involved in that. Yeah, no. They mind. don't say zero; they say nil. So, soccer's got a lot of a lot of those, but soccer's a really cool sport. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a little uh, biased because my son is such a soccer maniac, but. It's it's yeah, enjoyable. I, that, I, I like it a lot. You know, Coach is an interesting guy, man. His story Very. was uh, stories like most of our guests have been. Uh, hardly anybody's from here. Yep. And how they got here is a journey. So it's been really cool. He's promised us a ride in that electric Porsche sitting out there. Yeah. Yeah. Need Can't wait for that. that. <laughs> so um, NCFC, their home schedule is going to start in April. And uh, I'm looking forward to going out there. We're going to drag the whole whole crew out there i think at some point yeah yeah absolutely want to go yeah for sure thanks again for joining us this week with coach mike mcginty of north carolina fc hopefully there's been something you've enjoyed about each of our episodes if you have missed one they are all available if you subscribe you're never you'll be sure to never miss one so make sure you subscribe make sure you rate us five stars please and tell your friends about it we will see you next time